The following program is brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment. Welcome to an hour of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. Because a meal is a terrible thing to waste, we'll be in your radio every Sunday to share delicious conversation and fabulous food. This is the best of food and drink culture, delivering chefs' perspective, recipes, and culinary insight to eaters across the country. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, in your radio. If you're hungry for beautiful food, remarkable wines, and some really juicy conversation, then you won't want to miss this show. I believe that it's how you put the dish together that sets it apart. So we're bringing you all the flavor every Sunday morning, and we're kicking off with some really creative culinary conversation this morning. We're dishing on the best of winter citrus coming up later in the hour, talking with a world-renowned chef, in fact, one of Julia Child's favorite talents. Plus, we're talking about clean cuisine and keeping you healthy. But we'll kick off the conversation all about chili. We had spoken about chili sometime back and received multiple requests on Facebook on my fan page at Chef Jamie Gwen, where I hope you'll dig in. And so we thought we would dish further about the beauty of a one-pot wonder that is chili. The origins of chili, by the way, uh, the origins rather, uh, are very uncertain, but it's very natural, I think, that we all think of it as an American classic. It has so many regional interpretations, though. There are almost as many chili recipes as there are cooks. But it is interesting enough that chili con carne is definitely definitely uh credited to this, the Lone Star State, to Texas, and we all make our chili chili a little differently. So, Lana, you and I like to think outside the box when it comes to chili. We're mm-hmm. making some new and different chilies, and especially for everyone across the country that's still enduring uh, that cold chill. I think there's nothing better than a, a new, fabulous pot of chili to entice the palate and to warm the soul. Oh, it's wonderful with uh, ground turkey, ground pork. I even just read a recipe about using moose. Moose chili. Mm-hmm. I like it, actually. Yeah. I think when you consider mixing up the protein, which is the conversation that you've started here, that's really where you get a newfound flavor. You know, chili powder, cayenne, uh, tomatoes, beans or no beans, that's the question. That's really the basis of any great chili. But when you mix up the protein, you get a new and different flavor profile. So this past week, I was working on a recipe for a, a lamb chili. So I could throw ground lamb into your protein mix there. And interesting. Interestingly enough, if you finish it with, you know, in the Mediterranean style, garbanzo beans and um, a finish of like lime yogurt, you've Mm. got a whole new twist on chili. Oh, that sounds fabulous. Now, are you beans or no beans? I know from my childhood, um, you are a bean girl. I am girl. Yes. Yes. Now, no self-respecting Texan would ever consider adding beans to their chili, you know. Um, But I happen to love beans and I like to twist the idea of beans because it doesn't just have to be pinto or kidney. I like white beans so I go to the cannellinis or the Spanish gigante beans because I like the texture and the creamy consistency of them. Mm, As I do as well. Uh, Let's not forget putting some sausage in there. 
Oh, that's a good start and a, good, a very smart place, too. You can mix it with your meat or you can go straight Italian sausage. And if you like it spicy, always go with the hot Italian mm-hmm. sausage. You can find Italian sausage both in beef and turkey today, too. So you can make a leaner, cleaner, spicy chili by mm-hmm. using hot turkey Italian sausage. And usually mine turns out very thick, so I do like to add a bottle of dark beer. I like that, that about that you. thins it out, gives it a really nice consistency. I was working on an all-American chili, and I actually deglazed with um, dried red wine, like you could use mm. Merlot, or I had a bottle of Beaujolais open, and um, the same process like with the beer. You really get a nice balance of acid that way. Um, lots of different chilies, if you choose to use jalapenos, serranos, if you really like it, hot habaneros, of course. But I think you need to offset the spice with sweet, so I always recommend a couple of tablespoons of brown sugar. You could use honey as well. Um, and, of course, if you like the flavor of um, chili and chocolate, it's almost a hidden flavor, but I always like to throw in a piece of um, either Mexican chocolate because it's infused with that cinnamon spice flavor, which I love, or just a shard of bittersweet chocolate mm-hmm. at the end of the chili. It adds that, like, je ne sais quoi. The, I don't know what that flavor is, but, man, that's good. One of those. <laughs> Even a tablespoon of cocoa. Nice. Helps. Oh, there we go. There's no doubt. And I love tomatoes in, in, in it, so I always add an extra can of tomatoes. Yeah, I like that, too. I love a chicken chili, and I like a white chili. So posted on the website at chefjamie.com is a cashew chicken chili. I think it's one of the best recipes I've ever made. If I may say myself, it's dried ancho chilies with cashew nuts and chicken broth that are combined, reconstituting those chilies, and then in the blender. And you make this sort of chili puree and add it into the chili. And I think it's outrageous. Delicious. The sides and accompaniments are always important, too, seeing that you're a cornbread aficionado. Mm-hmm. That's very important when it comes to chili. Most definitely. What are you going to eat it with or along with? Well, the guacamole, sour mm. cream, oh, yeah. uh, lots of different cheeses on top, uh, pickled jalapenos. It's like a chili bar. Uh-huh. Perfect. We'll bring more chili inspiration, we hope, to your kitchen. But we'd love to hear your thoughts, too. If you have a chili recipe to share or chili insight, you can always email us, live, L-I-V-E, at chefjamie.com. It is our goal to make you a better cook in your own kitchen. So the Think Like a Chef feature on the website this week is all about the making of a vinaigrette. Knowing how to make a vinaigrette always comes in handy. It's something that can be made in seconds with your pantry basics, and it tastes so much better and fresher than a bottled dressing. And the basic ratio for a simple vinaigrette is one part vinegar to three parts oil. Now, you can always sub- substitute another acid for the vinegar, like you, you could use lemon juice or orange juice or grapefruit juice. Uh, there's lots of wonderful substitutions, in fact. Um, but as with any other recipe or method, you get the best results when you use the highest quality ingredients. So use good oil. Um, you could use olive oil. You could use a combination of olive oil and canola or grapeseed oil. Or you like to use the flavored oils to finish your vinaigrette, Lana, I know. Yes, like the I nut do. oils. Mm-hmm. And lemon oil mm. or hazelnut oil. Yeah, lovely. It's very nice in it. And I also like apple cider vinegar. 
in it. If you're addressing uh, warm vegetables, I think an apple cider vinaigrette is the best way to go. Nice. I like that. The basic vinaigrette I've written the recipe for is white wine vinegar. But again, substitute. You can use balsamic for a balsamic vinaigrette. Uh, you can use the lemon juice and add Parmesan for a lemon Parmesan vinaigrette or an herb vinaigrette. But the one thing that remains consistent, I will tell you, in making the best vinaigrette is the emulsifier. It's what binds the oil and vinegar or the oil and the acid together. And I have two secrets for great emulsified dressings. Well, I really have three. One is the blender. I believe in a whisk in a bowl, but I really love my blender when it comes to dressing. Dijon mustard, just a teaspoon or so in the basic recipe will bind the oil and vinegar. It's a great emulsifier. And then my third and final secret is if you choose not to use the mustard, a roasted garlic clove will do the same thing because it becomes a paste and it binds the dressing together. So we've got um, the basic vinaigrette and additional ideas for variations posted at chefjamie.com and everything you could use the vinaigrette for. Like I love that you mentioned dressing vegetables. You could use it to finish a fish dish. Uh, you could toss it with salad greens, mix it into a pasta salad. Lots of great choices. So that's uh, what is the making of a vinaigrette. I love your cook with Lana recipe this week. It is... Uh, that Reuben sandwich in a waffle iron. I love that everything in a waffle iron. I, <laughs> I like I like your style. I do. And a warm sandwich when it's cold out is always wonderful. Yeah, and we love a Reuben. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I love the idea of you mentioned warming the meat prior as mm-hmm. well, where the flavor really comes alive, and then assembling the sandwich and then putting it in your waffle iron. Yes, yes. It brings out the, the, the fats in the meat. I know yeah. no one wants to think they're eating fat, but uh, it does make it a much better mouthfeel and tastier. That's what makes things taste delicious. And mm-hmm. if it makes you feel any better when you're warming the meat and the fat actually exudes, you're rendering it off, and you would actually be consuming a little bit less, and you'd still be gaining great flavor. I think it would be cool to put out your waffle iron and uh, for Oscar Sunday next next Sunday and have a party and let everybody warm their own Reuben. Oh, That's great a cool idea. idea. Lots of delicious recipes posted. Citrus themed, in fact, a chicken with lemon and orzo, a gluten-free orange almond cake, and my homemade orange liqueur, all posted at chefjamie.com. I also want to mention to you that all of the recipes that you hear us speak about and all of the ingredients um, can be shopped for at a multitude of stores. But I will say we are very proud to once again be associated and supported by Smart and Final. It is not only an incredible place to shop, I feel, from a product perspective, but what's really wonderful about Smart and Final is that there's no need for a special card or a membership fee or anything else. Smart and Final has rethought the way that you shop because they have the low prices of a Walmart, the big sizes of a Costco, but no membership fees. And you get the freshness of a supermarket. There's nothing to join. There's no unflattering photo ID, no card to carry. They have lots of private brands and it's warehouse prices, but big and small sizes. So we hope that you will check out Smart and Final when you're shopping for all the ingredients you need for the recipes heard on this show. And you'll look for their specials, their ultimate brands. They offer for the same quality as national brands at exceptional values. There's some really great deals going on right now for chicken leg quarters and blueberries and even gallons of milk at 325, uh, which is really low. So check out a Smart and Final store near you, please, and uh, and see what you might be missing, really, when it comes to all the great offerings that Smart and Final gives to us. A couple of things going on here in Southern California we wanted you to know about. The Chalk Follies is back, and we always love 
love to support our dear friend Gloria Zigner, of course. This is, is this the 10th year, Lana, or the 11th, I think, that... Is 15th it? Fifteenth. Oh, excuse me. Oh, I stand corrected. Well, we know that it is no, not always an incredible way to give back, but the Chalk Follies is an incredible show made up of a hundred uh, of people just like you that give of their time and their talent. And so you can buy tickets for the shows in March at chalkfollies.org. C-H-O-C-F-O-L-L-I-E-S dot org. If you live in Orange County um, or we'll take the drive here in Southern California, it's so worth it. I'm also um, delighted to once again have been asked to speak at the upcoming 6th Annual Women's Conference hosted by Congressman Ed Royce. Uh, There will be 500 women, and if you are interested in attending, it is a free day that Congressman Ed Royce hosts at Cal State Fullerton, and I am delighted to be speaking about healthy cooking and bringing um, some superfood ideas and trends for 2014 to fabulous food lovers. It is Saturday, March 15th, so please join me you can find more information at chefjamie.com or you can look up ed royce's or congressman ed royce's sixth annual women's conference online and stay tuned because there's so much delicious conversation coming up in your radio she is ivy larson and wait till you hear her incredible success story and the way she chooses to live her life healthfully she's all about clean cuisine and she's in your radio coming up next plus chef sandy damato he is good stock no doubt and he's written his own autobiography about life on a low simmer this is a chef with 30 plus years of great success in this country and you'll love to hear his stories i know it plus our produce guru robert Schuler is enlightening us to the best of winter's offerings when it comes to fruits and vegetables so stay tuned fabulous food and delicious conversation in your radio Video with Chef Jamie Gwen, that's me, and Lana, right after this. Kicking off the new year in delicious style, Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. New year, new you, right? All of us with New Year's resolutions about keeping healthy and eating better. Well, it happens to many of us. We promise that we'll keep those New Year's resolutions, but sometimes the expectation is unrealistic or we fall short of our goals. Well, clean eating is the buzzword for 2014, and for good reason, because it is definitely the key to a lifetime of healthy eating and whole unprocessed foods. This woman, in fact, is Oh, so clean. She is Ivy Larson, and you know her from Lifetime's The Balancing Act and has been featured in multiple magazines, of course. You can follow her on cleancuisineandmore.com on the web, but she's here to celebrate clean cuisine and share with us what we can do to kick off the year in truly healthy style. We're glad to have you. Ivy Larson joins us live. Hey, Ivy. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. Yes, of course. Okay, so Lana and I are big on green drinks. Let's start there because you are all about the drinkable meal. The thing is, the smoothies, the super green smoothies are a great way to tiptoe into eating clean because they taste amazing. There's so many incredible recipes that you can make. I mean, I just this morning had my cinnamon apple super green smoothie with bananas and green apple, lemon, spinach, dates, cinnamon, nutmeg. It takes like five minutes to make. I throw a little bit of chia seeds in there and, and some water. You blend it all up in a high-speed blender. totally fills you up. It gives you tons of energy. And once you start to incorporate something like the super green smoothie and you notice how much energy you have and the fact that it tastes amazing and that it keeps you feeling full, it's just a really good way to then venture into eating more clean food. 
I like the idea you mentioned chia seeds of the superfood green drink concept because we do a lot of juicing, kale, lemon, ginger, all of those buzzword vegetables that you mentioned. Uh, but right. from a from a superfood standpoint, chia seeds still hot. What else should we be incorporating in 2014 from the superfood category into our drinks? Goji berries are amazing. Navitas Naturals also puts out a thai powder. You can just sprinkle like a tablespoon or so of that into your super green smoothie. Any green vegetable is an amazing superfood. Ivy, I noticed that you mentioned dates before, and I had never thought of putting dates into my power drink. Nor have I. I am a huge fan of sweetening things with dates. Because first of all, I have a major sweet tooth, and I have been able to create so many recipes without any refined sugar, all using dates. So, mm. for example. My husband is a major fan of key lime pie. We live in Florida. Mm-hmm. And so I've been trying to, for years to, you know, create the healthiest, best key lime pie. And I have it in the new Clean Cuisine Superfood book. But the crust is made with pecans and dates and millet flour, some other ingredients too. But the dates are what give it sweetness. And then the filling is made with coconut milk, banana, dates, arrowroot. Mm. This is special Nellie and Joe's key lime juice that you need to use. Yes, that's the best. We know that. You can't make key lime pie without that. The recipe has absolutely no sugar, no added sugar. It's all sweetened with the dates. Now, you do need wow. a high-speed blender, like a Vitamix, or um, you can use a food processor to pulverize the dates. Um, another one, I make pecan fudge brownie bites. Uh, those have prunes, bananas. They've got the rock cow powder, and then Nelly beans. They've got beans in there. Mm. So I get pretty um, creative and adventurous in the kitchen, but um, you it's you would be amazed at some of the recipes that you can make just by kind of thinking outside the box and using some of these superfoods. I was amazed by the recipes, Ivy. I have to tell you, I really appreciate a health fanatic like yourself, uh, a clean guru, a fitness buff that ties food in. Because without food, we wouldn't be able to sustain ourselves. But without food, life wouldn't be worth living to me. I mean, that's, oh you know, what I, what I live for. And we would love to support your new book. Would you share the key lime pie recipe for us? We'll post it at chefjamie.com with a direct link to clean cuisine and more. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Fabulous. All right. So everyone can certainly look for it. Um, you talk yes. about anti-inflammatory a lot. And we talk about it as well, Dr. Andrew Weil, the homeopathic guru, mm-hmm. one of our favorite radio guests, and I think quite a genius man. Anti-inflammatory, definitely something that, that you believe will allow us all to live longer, but feel better day in, day out. Is that right? Yeah. And, you know, my husband is the surgeon, and he's the medical expert behind clean cuisine, and we started this clean cuisine journey back in 1998. It was when I was 22 years old and I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And I was in the hospital. I was wearing a catheter. I was having some very serious medical issues. And um, we started at the suggestion of my neurologist at the University of Miami going the anti-inflammatory route. And knock on wood, um, my symptoms have been in remission. I haven't needed to take any of the disease-modifying medications. And it's been just about 15 years. But you know, the common thread between MS and so many seemingly unrelated conditions, asthma, arthritis, and fibromyalgia, obesity, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, the common thread between all of them is inflammation. And clean cuisine in this, this way that I eat and the way my husband eats and the way I've raised my son, who's almost 13, is a way to dramatically reduce inflammation. And you'll start to notice the difference and you'll start to feel better within a week. You'll, if you have pain especially, You'll notice that you'll see it in your skin, any inflammatory conditions you might have in your skin. 
you'll notice an increase in energy, and you can measure it in your blood, your CRP levels. So you can actually see that you're reducing inflammation. And we're actually starting this um, big online challenge. It's an eight-week clean cooking challenge on our website. Because um, my, my husband and I run these health and body makeover programs down here in Florida, and so we test people at the beginning and the end of the programs, and we you can go and see the testimonials on our website. But dramatic and amazing results in as little as eight weeks, and this is not even by doing the whole thing all at once. I so, read all about it actually. It's it's like being spoon fed information. I, that's I what would I like love. to I would like to participate in this, Ivy. I will do it oh. for eight weeks. <laughs> oh, you most you have definitely a new candidate, so. Ivy. Yes. I love it. I would love you. I would love you to do it. I am on board, and congratulations to you in your personal struggle with MS that you've been able to live such a wonderful, healthy life. Yeah, I think that's miraculous as well, and to many, many more tens of years of great success and healthy living. There is an entire eight-week Clean Cuisine Challenge posted at cleancuisineandmore.com, and the husband and wife team of Ivy Larson and Dr. Andy Larson will take you through getting to better nutrition in 2014. We believe in your cause and we are approached very often on this show, Ivy, as I'm sure you know, to talk about different campaigns, to talk about different styles of food, to support different websites and people and so on. I will say you have tremendous integrity in what you do. I am very, very impressed by the results. And I think it's really a wonderful thing to be able to give back and pay it forward the way that you have. And in 2014, with our commitment of staying healthy and keeping healthy, it's what we can do to pay it forward to our listeners to make a change in food lovers' lives. Leave us with this. Healthy food in a hurry was one of the things that I thought was most extraordinary about the food that you talked about on your website because the recipes are very chef-inspired. So if we start today and we want to consider eating cleaner, what is one quick thing we could do? Make a change, uh, prepare something differently in our diet to make this Sunday different? Of course, you could start with the super green smoothies. But another thing and something that I think the whole family will love, including the kids, is getting some staple vegetable soup recipes. It's funny that you mentioned on Sunday because every Sunday that's what I do. I make a huge pot of vegetable soup, and I make such a huge pot of it. It lasts pretty much the whole week. You can freeze it. It's just a great go-to food. You come home, you're, you know, you've been working all day, you're starving, and that's when temptation usually falls. And, of course, if you clean your whole fridge out, you won't, you know, maybe you won't have temptation in the fridge. But still, what are you going to eat when you're starving? But if you can have a big pot of vegetable soup and you can just eat that like at any time food, I think that would be a great 2014 step starter yes. to mm. better health. And a resolution we could keep. And Ivy, may I ask yeah. you, how, how many uh, smoothies a day do you drink? So I just do one super green smoothie a day. And, mm-hmm. and then I make, for something more filling, I'll make a no-milk shake, which are really taste more like milkshakes. So I might have, for example, like um, a mint chocolate chip no milkshake, and I make that with fresh mint, with the cacao nibs, and again with the dates and with the bananas, and then um, a strawberries and cream one that I might make, and I'll sweeten that again with the nuts, but I'll, or with the uh, dates, but I'll also use macadamia nuts, as, and I blend this all in a high-speed blender. Mm-hmm. Um, it tastes, the nuts give it like a really rich and creamy taste, and it's not 
fat-free because the nuts have fat, but it's yes. good fat. It's great fat in your great flavor, mm, too. Yes, wonderful. Sure. Okay, I'm going to the kitchen right now. I'm starving. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to the website, I know you cleancuisineandmore.com. So you have a commitment to the eight-week challenge from Lana mm-hmm. Ivy. I oh, am committing well. to making a batch of vegetable soup today and making okay. that one of my New Year's resolutions every Sunday, a batch oh. of soup to clean out the fridge. And I love a good Italian minestrone, a little Ooh. bit of pesto and Parmesan cheese on top. Is that approved? Um, it is. Okay, absolutely. good. <laughs> Ivy Larson approved. I love it. Um, yeah. Clean Cuisine and More, as Lana mentioned, .com is the website, Ivy Larson and Dr. Andy Larson, um, and much more to come. We hope you'll come back, Ivy, and, and oh, take I us hope. through 2014 in, in clean style. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And, Lana, get in touch any time, and I'll help you walk through the challenge. Oh, thank you so much. We'll share that recipe. I was going to say, key lime pie, a la Ivy Larson, posted at chefjamie.com. There's more delicious conversation in your radio right after this. Please don't touch your dial. It's delicious. It's divine. It's food and wine. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. We do have the best culinary thinkers on this show, as you've heard. And Esquire magazines, accolades, and so many other extraordinary commentaries are being written and spoken about a new book just released. It's a culinary memoir that I'm very proud to tell you you must read. And it's filled with extraordinary recipes from this gentleman, Chef's incredibly, I will say, extraordinary career. It is called Good Stock, Life on a Low Simmer, and it is the unique memoir of a life in cooking from Sandy D'Amato. It is a, a beautiful accounting of the way American culinary culture has evolved, but it is Sandy's culinary history, in fact, and he talks about love, soul, and respect, and how he elevates each dish to its greatest level of flavor. He graduated from the CIA, my alma mater, just a few years before me, in 1974, in fact, and in 1989 opened Samford Restaurant that has long been recognized since then as one of America's greatest restaurants. They, I will say, he and his wife are a restaurateur legacy, and they've moved on to a new and wonderful aspect of their life as he shares with us, though, how he comes from good stock in his new book release. And we are delighted to share with you the anticipated memoir from this legendary American chef, Sandy D'Amato, joins us live. And we're very glad to have you, Sandy. Welcome. Introduction. Most yeah. certainly. You speak about the relationship with your mentor. And I have a similar memory and history, not only with my mom, Lana, and cooking in the kitchen growing up, but with a culinary mentor in the first restaurants I ever cooked in. And it's amazing to me how there are so many lessons learned early on. You know, my first mentors were both my mother and my grandfather, and quite divergent from each other because my grandfather, the only time he was ever happy was when he was cooking. I mean, he was not the happiest guy in the world outside of that. But when you'd see him, like, cradling a nice barjol or something, his face would completely turn into this sweet man that you wish was like that outside of the kitchen, Mm -hmm. you know. My mother, on the other hand, was just a fabulous cook. And between the two of them, that was really my start, my mentorship in cooking before I got into it, before I even knew I wanted to cook. And Peter Von Erp. 
your culinary mentor certainly taught you about so many different cuisines. And I think it's so interesting today that you are touted as having one of the most expansive repertoires that you cook, not only American cuisine that you were trained traditionally French, but that you touch on so many different ethnic influences. It's one of the things we know Julia Child always said about your talent. At the time in the early seventies, I was apprenticing for him while he was teaching at the Culinary Institute, but I, I worked for him outside of the school, too, at the same time. And he was doing all these different ethnic cuisines. Everything in high-end cooking was mm-hmm. French, basically, with a smattering of Italian. Mm-hmm. And he was doing Indonesian, Turkish, Japanese. But what he did with his food at that time was everything that he made, it was always true to the country as far as the taste, the textures, the smells, not the particular dish. But when you were in that kitchen, if he was making something Indian-inspired, you would say, this is Indian food, even if you didn't recognize what the specific dish was. Hmm. And the greatest thing I learned from him was the history of food and researching it. remember one time we were making uh, cold cucumber soup. He said, go and do some research on cold cucumber soup. So I went out and found... Armenian and Turkish and all these different types of cucumber soups and came back and he already knew what he was going to make. He was going to make this tartare, but he just wanted me to put in the time and the research. And at that time, research meant going to the library at the CIA. Right, right. And which was, by the way, a long haul, depending upon where you were coming from. I have a memory of cucumber soup. Lana, you oh, made cucumber soup. One of my soup. favorite dishes to make. Yes, since I was little. Yeah. Sandy, do you have a favorite dish or dishes that you love to make consistently? One of the recipes in the beginning of the book, there's two of them there that are really favorites, two in the beginning and two in the end. The two in the beginning are my mother's cinnamon ribs. I'm mean, probably one of the simplest recipes in the book. It's cinnamon, chili powder, salt and pepper, oh. and a little oil, and then ribs. But they're perfumed so wonderfully and so delicious. And when they're cooking, that smell just drives me crazy. Because mm. I remember being, you know, five, six years old and smelling that cinnamon coming out of the oven. And then being shocked that it was pork ribs and it wasn't a dessert. Oh. Uh, and uh, and the other one is the chicken pastina. Oh, and I love pastina. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I rabbit-eared that page, Sandy. Being brought up in an Italian family, I mean, that was my first pasta. Right. Mm. It was pastina with butter and some uh, grated Romano over the top. Mm. That's what I, you know, that's kind of my, my one of my first dishes because... They were small enough that as a kid you couldn't choke on them. Right, the, the beauty of ice. simplicity, right? Chef, right. may we share your fragrant chili pepper cinnamon ribs from your mom's repertoire on the website? Oh, of course. And link directly. I'd be honored. Well, thank you. We would be uh, honored the same. We'll link directly to the Amazon page so that you can certainly add good stock life on a low simmer to your collection. And we will share the fragrant chili pepper cinnamon ribs from Sandy D'Amato at chefjamie.com. Um, but if you just tuned in, you're late because he is Sandy D'Amato in the restaurant Sanford, highly acclaimed, one of the greatest American chefs, a living legend, in fact, has written a memoir. And I marked one other recipe. And Lana, this is what you and Sandy have in common. And if I may read the introduction of the recipe, it says, quote, I can't tell you in words how happy Thousand Island dressing makes me, unquote. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So your triple-decker burger, can you teach us how 
to master the ultimate burger? Is it a secret in the ground meat blend? Is there something special in the dressing? I could take a burger right now, chef. You know, if the dressing is right, you don't have to worry as much about the grind of the meat or anything else. That's so true. For me, it's always been the dressing. One of my mentors, Roland Chenu, who was a classic French chef, he was one of the last chefs at the Pavillon, when I was working with him at Vaudor, and he said, I'm doing this special dish from Paul Bocuse, and it was for a seafood salad, and he's he's putting this dressing together, and the first thing I saw was ketchup, which I never saw him use, and he puts this together, and he has me try it, and he said, have you ever tasted anything like that? And I said, yes, Thousand Island dressing. (laughs) I said, haven't haven't you ever had that? (laughs) And it was this variation. It had cognac. It was a real pristine kind of version, and mine kind of bridges the gap between the two. I love that you're using Heinz chili sauce, because that's what Mm. you use, Lana. (laughs) Just share with us, um, as we come to a close, the most rewarding moment of your career so far. I can't imagine that it's not... Uh, the opportunity to have cooked for Julia Child's 80th birthday by her request. That was certainly one of the highlights. It was unexpected. I remember when I got the call, we had been open about a year and a half, and we took our first vacation, and we decided to just get away, and we went to Virgin Gorda. And it was a place with no phone, you know, no TV, nothing. And I told people, only call if there's an emergency. So I got this call from the office. They called up and they said, you have a phone call in the office. So I'm really worried, and I came to the office. And it was a friend of mine that called up, and she said, I know you said not to bother you, but I thought you'd want to know that Julia Child called, and she wanted that Andy boy from Milwaukee to cook (laughs) for her birthday. And I said, well... Andy is close enough to Sandy. I'll take it. <laughs> right. <laughs> what an, what an, ex- how I found out. an extraordinary how phone call. How wow. absolutely marvelous. Sandy, we understand that you are starting the Goodstock Farm Cooking School in Massachusetts. Yes. We actually have a website that if anybody's interested, they can get on. It's goodstockfarm.com. Goodstockfarm.com. We'll be right there. And we're starting this uh, summer, we put a 2,400-square-foot addition on our house, which is actually just this great room with a wonderful kitchen, um, mm. wood-burning oven, and then we have a Tuscan fireplace, outdoor grill, and I mean, and a convection oven for baking. So we have all these different ways of, of cooking over live fire or conventional, mm. and we just want to welcome people here. We're putting like 10 to 12 people at a time, little hands-on thing. We're right on the banks of the Connecticut River in the heart of the agricultural area of, of Massachusetts. And uh, it we'll sounds be wonderful. things off of our farm to oh. things that we don't grow here. We'll go down the block and to the next farm and get them and, if we and don't have them on our I was going to say, find them at a neighbor's. Well, we certainly love that you're sharing your memoir as you make this foray into new and beautiful opportunities in the culinary world. I will say to our listeners, this is a beautifully rich, wonderful memoir from one of the greatest American chefs of this era. It is a must read for anyone interested in food and culinary culture. You were quoted as saying, Sandy, and that is, um, the true craftsmen of cooking innovate. Some of the most exciting things in food are those things right in front of your face. And it's true. As the culinary world evolves, we mustn't forget uh, our history and our past. And I commend you on taking what is an incredible culinary history and 
always seeming to elevate it to the next level. So congratulations to you. It's a beautiful book. We can't wait to come visit the farm. Um, and your stories are certainly heartfelt. And I am going to make Adgo Lemon cream tonight. <laughs> well, thank, thank you, Jamie. And, and thank you, Lon. I mean, this is, uh, I, we'd love to have you out here. And, oh, nice. uh, and the wine you. is always cold. Or if it's red, it'll just be <laughs> Slightly, Slightly chilled. Slightly That's perfect. You can find the excerpted recipe for Sandy D'Amato's mom's famous ribs at chefjamie.com along with a direct link so that you can read Good Stock, Life on a Low Simmer by Sanford D'Amato. There's more delicious conversation in your radio right after this. Please don't touch your dial. Sweet Melissa. Bringing fresh ideas to your radio every Sunday. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. Fresh, tart, sweet, and in season. Finding good local produce is a snap when it comes to Melissa's. We are delighted to be joined by our resident produce guru. He is Robert Schuler from Melissa's Produce, our produce partner. And we're dishing on the beauty of the season, from hearty root vegetables to bright, sweet citrus. Winter produce offers, I think, a wonderful range of flavors. So get ready to get inspired, because Robert is here with the lowdown on winter's best. And we're glad to have you back, Robert. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Jane. Yes, of course. Okay, so let's kick it off by talking about citrus. I know everyone talks about summer being the most bountiful, Robert, but I love the winter produce from the hearty greens to the beautiful oranges and grapefruits and all of the tangerines. And speaking of grapefruit, I have to say this season was one of the sweetest. The cocktail grapefruits that we tasted from Melissa's were outrageously juicy and delicious. And what I loved, in fact, to make with them was to segment them and toss them with hearts of palm for like a winter side salad of sorts. Just fabulous. Is the season extending? Do we have a little more time on grapefruits? This season in particular, we haven't had a lot of rain, uh, fewer cool days. Right. So the fruits have really ripened up nicely in the sun. Majority of the grapefruits that we've seen this year, pomelos or ablancos, as you mentioned, the cocktail grapefruits will extend through the end of March. Okay. So there's many exciting things you can do with all those grapefruit varieties that are available to us. Mm. All right, talk other citrus then as well, if you would, because I love lemon, lime, grapefruit, orange combined. I love that it adds life and lightness, I think, to any dish. In fact, Charlie Palmer taught me a long time ago that a drop or two of lemon juice in every dish adds a very subtle backbite of acidity that is often hard to detect, but really brilliantly bright when it comes to finishing a dish. And now is the time to make lemon squares. Now is the time to use tangerine juice in place of vinegar when it comes to your salad dressings. Yes, and talking about lemons, Meyer lemons, mm. which was traditionally just known as the chef lemon, is more bountiful and more available more than ever. Uh, typically, Meyer lemons were only available about three, four months out of the year, but because of consumer demand over the years, we now have Meyer lemons easily through May and June. Soon, Meyer lemons will be available year-round. Year and, of course, mm. one of the, the biggest trends have been in lemons has been those seedless varieties. 
there's a, a hybrid variety that produces a lemon without a seed naturally. And isn't that exciting? I think it's amazing, actually, from a chef perspective, for those that love to cook or love to eat. It's really a brilliant force of nature. And I say it that way because it is um, a natural evolving aspect of produce that you can create the best of the best, let's say, when it comes to a lemon. There are a lot of very happy chefs that would be thrilled to know that Meyer lemons are year-round or are coming up as year-round, as you said. We're seeing a lot of really trendy, newer produce items from Melissa's as well, one of which is the Belgian-style leek. And I would love if you would talk about it because I love the subtle flavor that a leek offers. The traditional leek, unlike this Belgian-style leek that I'm going to talk about, it looks like a very large onion. The leek, as you know, there's only a section more of where the root to where it goes from a white color to green. Once you you have to cut off the green part because it gets very chewy and is not part of the onion, the allium. However, the difference is on the Belgian-style leeks, this is a leek, it's a common leek variety grown in the Netherlands, in Holland, we took that seed uh, growing there, started growing in California, and basically it's a leek that produces a lot more edible part to it. So instead of about four or five inches of edible leek, on a Belgian-style leek, you get about eight to ten inches of edible onion to enjoy in your recipes. There's lots of wonderful kale available in the market from Melissa's as well, and we've seen a rise uh, in the popularity of kale. I believe kale is king. I love the Italian style or black kale that you find often in a salad because it has a more tender leaf. But from Melissa's, the little flowering kale. Kale sprout. Sprout. It is actually a crossing of a Brussels sprout and a red kale variety. So basically what you do, you get is a miniaturized sprout of a kale. And the neat thing about the kale is that unlike other leafy greens, when you cook it, it doesn't like melt to nothing. You know, like when you put spinach into a pan, it melts to nothing. And it dissipates. Well, kale is a very hearty green, and that these baby kale sprouts will cook up pretty much the size that you put in there. And so you get this colorful greenish purple with a little tinge of red mm, in it yeah. and Fabulous. all the kale flavoring in there. And, and I love it raw and cooked. So whether you fry it like you would a Brussels sprout or the leaves of the Brussels sprout and then toss it in a sweet chili glaze, one of my favorite things to do for crispy kale leaves or crispy Brussels sprout leaves, or if you just chop it into a salad, it has that really tender, toothsome bite. And it takes on olive oil and Meyer lemon juice with salt and pepper just brilliantly. Talk with us about the increasing popularity of chilies. You know, we are a spicy household, Craig and I, and I will say hotter than ever is so very in. Yes, and uh, (laughs) chili peppers have been a huge trend in the marketplace. And two of the more exciting varieties that you'll see popping up more often than not than just highly seasonal are the Spanish Padron chilies Mm. and the Japanese Shashido chilies. They're all grown both in California and Mexico. And as of this year, Padrones are now available year-round. For those who are not familiar with Padron, it's one of those chilies that is not sufficiently mild and it's definitely not hot. So I would say it's like a perfect chili heat balance between an Anaheim chili and a jalapeno chili. A cousin to that, the Japanese cousin, is the Shashido chili, You can get them at any Japanese market. Usually it's just cooked up in some soy sauce, and it's absolutely a delicious chili as well. And those are now available almost year-round as well. 
But the most exciting thing that I wanted to report, Jamie, mm-hmm. is that Melissa's The Great Pepper Book by go. our Oxmoor House Publishing will be on bookshelves across the country come mid-April. Yeah, we're very excited, actually, about the release of the newest Melissa's cookbook, enlightening you to a wonderful world of chilies. You can learn more at melissas.com and continue to listen here as we highlight the produce pick of the week and everything from the ordinary to the extraordinary when it comes to the best and freshest global produce. It comes from Melissa's. Again, look for the logo where the eye is the carrot. You'll see it by name available in supermarkets and your favorite food stores across the country. Robert, always a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your produce passion. We look forward to talking with you again. Again soon. Thank you, Jamie. We always love catching up with our produce guru, and we hope that we brought you insightful conversation because we want you to cook confidently. That's why we share cooking and entertaining advice from a chef's point of view. And there are a few things you won't want to miss at chefjamie.com this week, so please check it out. If you're planning for next Sunday, Well, then you could celebrate your favorite films with fabulous food and drink because the Oscar goes too. We like to call this last feature of the show our last bite, and it's what brings you hopefully a last tidbit or ounce of culinary conversation to think about today. If you're planning your Oscar menu, we like to celebrate the best films with recipes and drinks that are paired with the nominees. So, of course, you could consider the best picture nominees, and you could do outer space-themed dishes for Gravity or um, tea and cake for Philomena, or you could do over-the-top indulgences like sushi and steak and lobster for the Wolf of Wall Street, or you could just plan an Oscar shindig with family and friends, Lana, and you could do bubbles and bites, or um, I had some ideas for cocktails, too. What are you planning on serving? I'm doing small bites for Oscar night. Oh, you and Wolfgang Puck, yes, by um, the way, who's celebrating his... 20th year for the governor's balls uh incredible great big feast the governor ball governor's ball rather is hosted by wolfgang puck and his team and he does small plates and hors d'oeuvres too i'm going to do some clams casino for american hustle love it and some uh pizza for um uh for her what one of my favorite movies of the year? Yeah, you did love that movie. I and know. I liked um, it too. The Wolf of Wall Street—that's just a fancy pants type of movie. So yeah, over the top, everything, everything. caviar and so whatever else you can think of. Sushi and champagne. I am pulling from that. movie. I like that definitely. I like the idea of Oscar glamour. So I was thinking rather than pair wines with each course, which we could do as well, I was going to put out a wine bar. And in fact, coming up next Sunday, you'll hear the winemaker Allison Crary from Sterling vineyards dishing on the wines that she hand blended for the governor's ball and the fact that there are some available um, this year at retail so that our foodie loving listeners can buy them as well Um, but I I love the idea of a wine tasting which is what she plans for for her Oscar shindig I'm thinking classic Oscar cocktails like the old-fashioned kind so um, maybe you do cure royales to start the the ruby tinted beauty right um, champagne and uh, you can do a touch of seltzer or uh, sparkling water and then um, I always like the beauty of Chambord for the cure aspect but you could also do old fashions you could do Manhattans you can make classic martinis and put out a little bit of olive juice and let everyone make them as dirty as they like with lots of varieties of stuffed olives so um, if you're looking for 
Oscar inspiration. We hope you'll check out the website at chefjamie.com and tune in next Sunday as we are celebrating three great big worldwide events on next Sunday's show. We're celebrating Carnivale in Italy, also known as Mardi Gras. We're celebrating traditional Mardi Gras in New Orleans coming up. And then, of course, it is Oscar evening where uh, the best movies will be celebrated next Sunday night, March 2nd. But be sure to tune in in your radio next Sunday morning right here. And check out ChefJamie.com as we serve up seconds until then. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana signing off. We thank you for listening and we hope you continue to eat well. The preceding program has been brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment.